and welcome to another episode of Seeking First. I am Shayna Harvey, uh, managing partner at Insight Total Stewardship. We took a little bit of a break uh, for vacation, actually. Me and the hubby just got back from uh, Florida. And so now we wanted to get back to our family and money series. And I have none other than my husband, Frederick Harvey II. Reverend Frederick Harvey the second. Hello. <laughs> but you are though. Okay. <laughs> and that's, you know, kind of important. But um, yeah, so we wanted to do a series on marriage and money um throughout this series. So who better to talk about that than the person that I married? But Mr. Harvey himself. Um so we did a, a recording a while back in the Kingdom series where he joined us. So I'm not going to go into a full bio on him again. He is a repeat guest. But what would you like the people to know about you today? I have absolutely no idea. But I encourage you to go to the first episode, I think, or the second episode. It's the second episode, yeah. Uh, yeah, but just, I, that's all. <laughs> so I'll just do it for him. <laughs> just to, for those who are just tuning in. Um, Frederick uh, Leon Harvey II is a uh, pastor. Uh, he has uh, also an HR background. He was an HR uh, executive for how many years? Well, you still do HR a little bit, but mainly bit. full-time. 16 mission. years. 16 years in a full-time HR capacity. Um, he is from Milton, Delaware, and uh, has been in Philadelphia for now... Wow. Long time. Long. Good 20 plus years. My whole adult life. Yeah. Uh, have you now <clears throat> been in Philly longer than you were in Milton? Yes. Mm, okay. So I'm not going to say how old he is. But anywho. Um, yeah. So today's topic, marriage and money. Um, I wanted to get started just by talking about an article that I read, and this kind of was the uh, catalyst for deciding to do this particular series, uh, read a, a recent article that was based on a survey or actually a study, is a research study that was done uh, by Cornell University um, that looked at data from 2012 to 2017 and said that the reason marriage rates are down are because there is a shortage of economically attractive men from women to choose from. And I was curious about that because I do have a lot of friends who are single um, and, you know, we're good and grown. And they, some of them say things like that. They say that there's not a lot of guys out there, the guys that are out there, um, are gun shy about getting into committed relationships for one reason or another. So I wondered what role finances play in the decision to get married, um, particularly from the mind of a man. Cause I know as a woman, I don't necessarily think the same way about that. Cause I mean, my personal mentality was wherever we are financially, we'll just be there and try to work together to, to make it better. So if it's time to get married, it's time to get married. But um, I don't know that men think the same way. So I wanted to ask at least the one I married, is that does, does economics play a role in your decision to marry? And if so, how much? Yeah, so I'm going to try my best not to ramble. Um, but I actually have a, a lot <laughs> to say and a lot swirling in my head about the topic. Because I actually think that you are an exception. Um, really? I do. I don't think most women, or at least, I don't know. So let me, let me back up. When I was uh, in my 20s, which I am no longer, I did not think that that's how the majority of women thought. And I still don't think that a large portion of women think that way. I don't think that we've been taught to think like you think. What do I mean? I, this article in 
We have to give credit to Brian Nimit on New York's Daily News. New York Daily News. Look for the title. It's Marriage Rates Down Due to Shortage of Economically Attractive Men. I'm going to put put that article in the show. That was weird to even say as a title, but. I think part of what plays into this is the gender um, identities. Mm -hmm. And so as a man, uh, as a young man, I feel like most young men are taught, if they are taught at all, um, are taught that part of being a man is your ability to sustain a household yourself and then a spouse and then children um, and even extended family. Like if you really are on top of your, your identity as a, uh, a man, then you will be able to provide. Um, and I think this gets to one of those core things. Um, I want to make sure this is clear that it is said, I do not believe that that is what makes you a man. Um, I do believe being responsible is part of manhood um, and part of being responsible is uh, to be able to earn a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but this topic vexed me for years because I was struggling financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't even feel like I should try to date um, for mm-hmm. a period of time. Um, I felt like when I didn't have a car, like that. <laughs> this is awful to say, but I felt like I shouldn't. I shouldn't want any woman that what didn't that that would want me without it. Uh, <laughs> like, well, your standards are low, like uh, such a loser. Like, why? Why should I want you? It's all you know, sin and brokenness. But, um, yeah, or you know, feelings restrictive because of what I could afford to do or not do mm-hmm. um, on a date. Like all these things really eroded my confidence because the standard in my head was, yeah, I was unattractive financially. And I was, right? Like, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Like that was a really, really ugly time. Um, but yeah, I think that it, I think it's a, a big, big deal. And I, you know, it'll be interesting what your thoughts are. And hopefully I don't irritate a lot of people um, <laughs> with it. But I feel uh, to some degree there is something lost. Um, when men aren't, I'm not saying that you have to be the one that earns the most, but when, when a man isn't, you know, held to that, uh, that you need to be able to support a household. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that that is something that still, it should be required. You do not have to be the breadwinner. You don't have to earn the most, but you do have to have the ability and the, I think the, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but the desire, not just desire, but you need to just do it. Right. Like like, having the ability, even having the education, like having the pieces is not enough. Also go do something. Right. Um, Well, and and I should probably point out that my, um, I guess, willingness to just be wherever we were financially had more to do with knowing the character of the man. Sure. And because that to me is more important than his, how that character has expressed itself financially in terms of, you know, how much money does he have or what does he have financially? I need to know that he has the ability and desire to work because that is important. I don't want to say that I was out here, you know, dating bums because I definitely was not. Uh, <laughs> but I needed to know that he could work, that he wanted to work, or that he wanted to provide. You got to be doing something. Um, but what I didn't have, I guess, I needed to know that he had a 
purpose and a passion for life in some way, that he was out there wanting to do something, even if that thing didn't make a lot of money. I needed to know that he could do that. And that was that was sufficient for me. But I know that for a lot of men, that is not sufficient, especially for somebody like me who was a professional, who was educated, who you know had a career, um, and 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 earned at least well decent money, depending on where you <laughs> found me in my adult journey. Um, but I it wasn't as important to me how much money he had, but I did want him to know how to work and be willing to work and have at least some kind of, you know, ambition for life in general. Yeah. It's one of those things like you, just when you pay attention to pop culture and I get it, I think that a lot of these things came from a lot of brokenness, right? With a lot of trifling men, but it is now common. Like, Fear. I don't care about, you know, blah, blah, blah. I care how much is in your 401k. Well, that's sending a message to single men, <laughs> right? <laughs> that even though it's said in jest and, you know, you hear these kinds of things and it is wrong to be a bum, there's also a counter effect, a pendulum swing, where you now are being told societally, that's a word, um, that it does matter how much you have, um, right? And I, I mean, all of these things are kind of cyclical and things that we inflict on ourselves. Um, but, you know, like, does he drive a nice car, right? That's mm-hmm. a general question of, you know, a girl to another girl, uh, which we <laughs> ask about a new guy. And I, well, what kind of car he drive? Okay, well, where he live? Um, <laughs> like, these are things that are communicating on some level. Does he have the ability to take care of me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those fundamental identity issues uh, and questions. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the identity issue uh, is kind of where I wanted to go uh, from a faith perspective, because I do think that we as believers do also have a responsibility to put our Christian identity above everything else. And it's going to rub against some of these societal expectations at times. And then we have to decide, well, who are we in Christ? Are we, is God looking at us and saying, oh, you don't have enough money to uh, marry this person uh, when he knows where you are financially and he might've put you there on purpose. And knows where you will be. (laughs) And knows where you will be, where you're going. Um, And so, and then he presents to you someone that you could potentially, um, you know, be attracted to. And I'm not saying that, you know, broke guys need to just go after whoever, because you you do, you do need to have some level of responsibility. Um, so there, I think there's levels to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the guy that that is out there who's doesn't want to do anything, doesn't uh, have ambition to do anything. And he's out talking to all the women because he's looking for somebody to take care of him. Those are not the guys I'm talking about. I mean, the guys who are uh, moving, who are working, they might be in school, they might be at the beginning of a career, they might be, you know, in different phases of life, but they have potential. And then then there's the guys who are already doing something and think that because there is the shortage out of here, that you that they are the, <laughs> the bee's knees. Like they're so arrogant about it because they have what they have, that they then become unattractive. Um, and I know some people like that too, uh, who have amassed uh, fortunes or have done well financially, who are still single, uh, primarily because they feel like they don't need to be married. And that's, I think, the other pendulum swing. But there are now uh, such a shortage out there that they feel like, well, what's the point? I can get everything I want to have in a woman without even marrying her. See, and the, so here goes another one of those, uh, you know, so snatch my face off if you want to. <laughs> but the I don't need a man thing has also played into this. And so I would agree. To some degree, 
Um, and again, I want everything that we're saying, please, you know, keep it contextual. Um, that there is no general rule across the board in any of this. Um, but we're just talking, right? And we married each other, so whatevs. Uh, <laughs> but that that also has its own boomerang effect. Right. Right. So people getting carried away with, I don't need a man. Well, then you can't find them. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>, so, right. <laughs> you know, take that as you will. Um, all of these things have, have, it have, has its counterbalance. Right. Yeah. Uh, it has its reverberating effect. Um, yeah. I mean, there definitely is the, the movement it has been the movement for a while. The, you know, I can do bad all by myself or... And then do it, and right? Then, right, and then so it's happening. You got a great job, um, <laughs> and you said is, I don't know what. <laughs> you know, you making moves. Um, but there is there is something to be said um, for, you know, two individuals... If that is what your call is, like if you're called to marriage, everyone is. But if you're called to it, mm-hmm. it is something to be said for entering into that partnership where you can count on um, each other. Because as much as, you know, it might be said of, um, uh, you know, women and what kind of man are they looking for? Um, it's also a thing to some men, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this is, you know, really a can of worms um, because there's different kinds of expectations um, that men and women have of other women. Um, you know, is it that, um, I, I, don't, I don't even know, but I'm just thinking of like, for me, I had idealized and probably still do to some degree uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, which I believe that I found. An an enterprising woman is like uh, super attractive to me. And so it wasn't appealing to me, even in my brokenness, (laughs) probably even less appealing than because you can't help me. Um, But yeah, I I think that that's that's also a thing. Um, Yeah, what are men looking for? financially um, mm. in a woman of today because um, yeah, it's not just one way. And I think that some of the unavailability, um, you know, of some men, you know, comes out of that gold digger, uh, you know, mm. uh, mindset or complex. Like, and mm. there's just so, so many, um, things that can can play in right and and i think that that i mean you spoke to it earlier about the the brokenness of our society and um how it's just evident in our relationships and i think uh, this is a good time to probably go to the scripture um because i think the the blessings and the cursing curses of uh, genesis two and three are evident and just what we're talking about, like mm-hmm. this financial um, stability and what we're looking for each other, we're looking for in each other financially. I think it plays out in how um, how the enemy came in and separated Adam from Eve um, and then what that looked like moving forward. But I want to first look at um, what God did initially in Genesis 2 when he even created Eve for Adam. Um, So we'll go to Genesis 2, um, starting at verse 15. The, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So he had a job. <laughs> That's one. Um, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you should surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Uh, Some versions say suitable. 
a helper suitable for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So in light of our conversation, what do you see as uh, this dynamic between man and woman? So I'm a bit of a, a goofball. Um, and that, that probably the first time it's crossed my mind um, as it says, a helper. A helper with what? Help with the work in the field? <laughs> what is, what? Uh, like, I always just accepted it. But help with what? Exactly. Uh, I actually want to ask God. I won't do it now on this podcast, but he hears all things. Sure. Exactly. What was the help with? Um, but uh, through, of course, uh previous uh, studies, um, I think that it's, yeah, just really, really beautiful because this word, um, helper, um, is a word that God uses for himself right. uh, in other places um, and has a militaristic uh, component um, as if one were sending military help, right? Like mm -hmm. if you are in war and you um, have another army that comes to um, fight alongside um, and I think that that um, the essence of that is beautiful. I think that it um, is more the reflection of the Godhead, um, yeah, in flesh. Um, so that uh, is exciting to me. Mm -hmm. But the facetious side of me does want to well, help with what? Uh, <laughs> I guess whatever God gave him to do in the first place. Well, that would that would could be an argument for. Uh, sharing uh, the economic uh, burden, whatever that might be. It could be. And it very well might be. Because uh, this is, of course, before the fall. And this is even before they had kids. Because they didn't actually have kids until after the fall, which I always found very interesting. Like, why didn't they have kids in perfection? Uh, but they had kids when things got all messed up. <laughs> but at the same time, um, that word helper, uh, that that is used here in scripture, as you pointed out, uh, is used in other places in scripture for God himself. It, like in Psalm 121, where um, David is saying, uh, I will look to the hills uh, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Um, that, that same word is used here to describe what God was sending to Adam uh, for his benefit. And it was to strengthen him. If we're using it in the context that um, is used in other places, it's to it's support and strength. Um, it's not the assistant. <laughs> like it's not like a subordinate or um, somebody who's just uh, along to kind of help you out. It, that it's like a sidekick. It's, it's not a sidekick. It's actually um, more of a strengthen support like you said there's a militaristic aspect to it as well it's like this is your warring partner um who's going to help you so that you don't have to do this by yourself and whatever that is and that's a beautiful picture um as opposed to you know some of the more paternalistic ways of looking at it it's like well whatever i do you just help me you have no real identity apart from me um you're just um here to you know, be at my beck and call. Um, but that's not necessarily how this is interpreted. Um, but at the same time, then we have the, the fall after all of this happens. 
And then in Genesis 3, um, each of them, both Adam and Eve, are now under a curse that seems to be the exact opposite of this picture-perfect existence that they have between them, uh, where to the woman, uh, where she was his partner, his helper, his strength, now there becomes this hierarchical relationship where her desire uh, is for her husband, which in that case means she will want to rule over him, but he will rule over her. It becomes this uh, power struggle between the man and the woman. Uh, and then for Adam, now the work that he does isn't fruitful like it used to be. The, the work, the world and the ground is against him. Um, whereas before it was working in harmony and all the days of his life, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth. So there becomes this antagonistic relationship between Adam and work uh, and Adam and Eve. And there becomes this antagonistic relationship between Eve and Adam because she's going to want to, you know, manipulate him and, and rule over him. But then he's going to rule over her. Uh, it's just all messed up. So and then a lot of this is now playing out in how we see relationships in our own lives. But I believe that part of what we get in Christ is the opportunity to become more harmonious like it was before. I think Christ gives us this um, this opportunity to repent of all of these moments where these things might show up. I think it's hard though. Um, it's this ongoing work of sanctification because um, money is one of those core areas where you where you see and where you feel um, uh, these identity triggers. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the statistics are, but you know how many relationships, both marriages and other relationships, familial friendships, uh, go awry because of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, and your mindset coming into that, um, like one of the big gifts that God gave us, which I can only call a gift in hindsight, um, was after getting married you know, experiencing financial hardship and the stripping away. Mm -hmm. Because in the stripping away of our assets um, that we brought into the marriage, um, or at least most of the liquid assets that we brought into the marriage, uh, there was a meekness that had to be generated between the both of us um, in order for our marriage to work. Um, and so mm -hmm. it was just super hard um, and like we were choosing into asking each other for permission to spend like, I think it was anything, <laughs> like $20. It was more or less than that. Um, <laughs> like it was like over 10 bucks. Like, are mm. you okay with me? You know, uh, getting a haircut, um, yeah. having to think through what will that actually impact? And I think that it's a gift because marriage, what, what you are called to um, is a mutuality. And so whatever it is that you kind of show up in marriage with as far as your identity and your mindset about resources and economics um, is not perfect. Um, and it's not altogether right. Um, and so it's in the marriage that he's going to start clipping some things and pruning some things. and Yeah. And a lot of that shows up in our finances. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that now, like how um, how money issues speak to spiritual issues, uh, particularly in marriage. So with, um, <laughs> with these spiritual issues coming about as a result of, you know, showing up in your, your finances, uh, I know that we had, Prior to getting married, I remember what you called the uh, the merger meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would actually, and I do suggest that if you're getting married. I had more than one. Oh, I only remember one. No, well, we had conversations leading up to it before we actually started. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did um, have conversations about it. 
And then uh, we had this one day um, while we were engaged before marriage. I don't remember how long where we just kind of brought everything to the table. Like this is this is how much I spend on this. Uh, here are my accounts. Uh, here's what what I have going on. Here's my debt. Um, and we went through it all just to see what we were working with. And uh, one of the things that we always have to remember about uh, marriage is whatever the other person mm-hmm. is bringing financially is now yours too. And you need to be, you need to fully embrace that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it don't ain't, get married. It ain't just the, the assets, right? So it's the, it's the assets and the liabilities um, because Fred didn't have student loans, but I did. So now we have student loans. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, I didn't have a car note, but he did. So we had a car note. Yes, we did. Um, and so these are the things that praise I, the Lord though that we said that in past tense. Now I don't know oh, yeah. if we're going to replace <laughs> the car, but we did pay well, it off. Prayerfully, to God. yes, prayerfully he will not have to replace that anytime soon. But then we will have a car note again. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were things that you know I had worked to to pay down or pay off, um, or he had worked to pay down or pay off. That was now a, a new thing because this new entity, this oneness that we were being called to. Um, said that whatever you're coming with now belongs to the to the new entity that's being formed, um, both asset wise and liability wise, and you have to embrace all of that as well. So um, I know that because we got married later, like I was 35, you uh, 36, so you know we had already had careers, we always already had you know savings, we bought houses, we had to figure out which one of our houses we were going to live in and, you know, first world problems, right? (laughs) It's like, oh, which house are we going to live in? Um, We had investment properties. Like we weren't coming into the marriage with, uh, with nothing financially. And for some people it's easier because both people have nothing. Um, And then when it's, uh, you know, a little bit different where you actually have something you have to work out, now we have to figure out how, how we're going to blend this into oneness. Um, and uh, we'll do a separate podcast where I'll talk to an attorney about uh, prenuptial agreements. Uh, but we, we, opted not to. <laughs> we opted not to do that. I think they're satanic. I, people <laughs> might disagree with me and it doesn't make me any much different. But I think an insurance policy for a marriage is awful. Awful. <laughs> And so we opted against it uh, because we had, uh, from a spiritual perspective and just a relational perspective. And a visceral despise. Yeah. Clearly somebody hates the idea of prenuptial agreements. Um, But we we came into it knowing that uh, we were fully vulnerable uh, financially. And um, I think in, uh, like Fred mentioned, that first year of marriage was just rough financially. Um, and we got stripped of a lot of stuff because God was doing something with the unit of us that we couldn't fully see or understand, but we had to learn how to navigate our, our financial lives together now. Um, and had to learn how to, to die to self uh, and is still learning to die to self, but yeah. that that is part of marriage. That's also part of just walking with Christ, period, right? Is this ongoing invitation to die to you. And so whether he's calling you to marriage or calling you to single life, there are going to be ways that he's going to um, structure life circumstances so that you die to self um, at the level he's calling you to, not talking about extremism. Um, and yeah, become more alive to him. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry. I really do want to say, I I cannot imagine why anybody has a good reason to get married. If you are not willing to expose yourself to the full vulnerability of financial ruin (laughs) (laughs) because of the other person. Yeah. Because fundamentally, then I just can't, I can't grasp it. One, if you are planning to opt out and you're trying to safeguard all that you have, 
I do think that there is something spiritually going on with you and money that mm-hmm. is unhealthy. Yeah. Right. Like this scarcity mindset that you have, this protective mindset that you have where you want to protect your finances, even from the person that you are called into oneness with, um, just feels very, very off uh, to me. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't reasons why that are valid that people would have. It just is spiritually, the, the thought process doesn't match up. In the flesh it does, but not spiritually. Yeah, I think there there is a, there are definitely a lot of reasons why people should have um, prenuptial agreements or feel like they should have prenuptial agreements. Um, but I do think that there was this uh, understanding that when we got married, that it was going to be what it is financially. Like I'm, I'm going all in. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest my whole self into this. And I think that's also part of us surrendering to Christ mm-hmm. because our identities in Christ is what's always at stake in all of this. It's not our identity as a man or a woman, as a black man, as a black woman, as a pastor. Oh, as, Lord, you told him I'm black. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were keeping that. Me either, but it just felt like something. Oh, yes. He's, he is a goofball. <laughs> um, but, yeah, our identities and any anything that we would hang our hats on in our professional life, it's all subject to 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 surrender to Christ. And at some point in time, he's going to call us on it. And my identity, even working as a financial advisor, um, knowing how, you know, to manipulate money, to do what I needed to do and to maximize this and invest. I had to surrender that too, because. Oh, so I actually have a question for the podcaster. I just totally interrupted you. Sorry. Okay. But here's my question. I'm used to it. So what, sorry. (laughs) So what is, what would you say God has made you have to learn mm-hmm. financially in marriage <laughs> that being a uh, financial planner didn't teach you? Mm, what a question. Bum, bum, bum. Um, I would probably say what he has been teaching me, this is present tense, how to, what it looks like to prioritize the relationship over whatever financial standard I was holding. Um, So I'll give you an example. Um, We had, um, I forget when it was, um, but we were, um, we had come out of the dark financial period Um, And you were talking about um, you needing to have something like tangible to buy Um, like there. You needed to spend money on something that was not a bill. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really important to you. So when we were creating our um, yearly goals of what we wanted to do, I then had to add a category for spending that I probably normally wouldn't have added um, without that. So in learning how to say, all right, well, my train of thought would have been, all right, let's rebuild what we lost. Like, I want to invest everything. I want to pay every bill. I want to pay down any debt that we have. I want to invest it. Like, I didn't care about spending money at that point in time. But I could see that that was really important to you to have something to enjoy, um, working hard, uh, making money. Um, you needed something tangible to reflect that. And uh, I needed to also prioritize that. Yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to think, well, what did I buy? Um, I don't even know if you bought anything. I don't think I did. I think <laughs> I just... So listen, we get way, way too into our individual psyches, but uh, permission and um, ability is a big thing for me and access. Um, and so I probably just wanted it to be known that that was important. 
Because um, <laughs> I don't think you bought anything. Because I, I think remember everything's been pretty functional. I um, created. Um, I created. Matter of fact, there was once where I gave you a gift card of like you know here here's something that you could just spend whatever you want to buy you just buy. Um, he calls me the CFO of our household, so yes. I, I manage our our finances. Um, and I was like, all right, this is important to him. Like here, just go do whatever you want to do. And you held that gift card for like ever. You didn't even buy anything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that this, you know, also is, you know, plays into, um, you know, Christ, marriage, finances, um, <clears throat> because Shana is our CFO um, and she runs our monies. Um, and I check with her. I don't always even know what we have flowing through. And that was a conscious decision of mine um, because it is it is not actually that I have a, a full aversion to managing finances. I've done it, <laughs> did it as a single person. Now, I probably didn't manage it to the degree that she would have <laughs> not in the same way. But my, my choice for that was part of me um, in love submitting. Um, and so... You know, without it crossing into emasculation, how do I submit in love um, financially? Um, and one is, you know, I check with her before just spending something. And this, surely, I, I'm not unaware of what I've earned. Um, I'm very aware. Um, but I think that it was healthy for me. And that's why even when you are listening to us talk through it. We'll mention things, but what's working for us doesn't mean that it will, you know, be a, a this general rule. And I'm always mm -hmm. trying to call that out because I know I got hung up on so many things that were standards and that they worked for other people. And then I became disillusioned. And so what we want to put out there are general principles that point towards God's heart but not necessarily rules. So for us, that worked for me. It could be in another marriage that, you know, that, you know, especially if um, it seems to be an issue that God is drawing um, the wife to them, it might be that she, you know, um, expresses submission financially um, by, you know, her husband doing that. Right. Uh, but that was important for me. Um, and I think having, because you mentioned the word, submission and people were like what men supposed to submit um well according to ephesians 5 yeah submit to one another out of your love for christ so part of my submission is respecting his opinion and honoring that so when i you know gave him the this gift card it was acknowledging that uh and respecting his point of view to say listen this is this is important to him and he's given me the the task of our household to, to manage the money, but that doesn't mean I get to do it my way all the time. Um, and I have to, so what I'm normally learning is how to be better at spending money because he's better at spending money than I am. Um, more of the saver, the investor, like that, that's my wheelhouse. Um, but I don't necessarily let go of money in the same way. Um, so when when he's he checks with me, well, how much can we spend? Great. He's off and running. He's going to, you know, plan a trip for us or he's going to, um, you know, we're going to go out to dinner. Or we're going to celebrate this. We're going to do that. Um, that would be part of how that works. But it's my responsibility in love to make sure that I'm respecting his um, his position as my husband, uh, as well as making sure that I take all of these things that the, the job that I hold in our home, as far as managing the money, that I'm not doing it just by my own um, ideas, my own uh, way that I think things should be done. Um, and he allows me to, to do that. Well, and our personalities, it, it does make her happy when I bring in, you know, a check, you know, call it old fashioned, but she does like when I drop money off. Like, oh, that's nice. Uh, 
Because then I get to create all kinds of ways that that's going to You don't go. bring Shayna flowers. You bring her checks. <laughs> <Spot of room>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. That is Yeah, I do prefer checks <laughs> to, to flowers. But I was aware of all of this. <laughs> And clearly, you kind of wanted it. Clearly, <laughs> that was one of your desires in a wife. Um, so somebody handling money. Well, I appreciate it. I can't say that I would. Say, well, I would want you to want checks instead of flowers, but I appreciated oh. it. In you. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I don't know that I knew that was a thing. Uh... <laughs> well, I like flowers too. I just like checks more. Yes. Yes. I, my creative ability comes to alive when checks come my way. <laughs> so thanks. Shrugs. <laughs> um, but those are those are again some of the things that work for us. And I think there there are no rules that we could say every couple should do this or every couple should do that. But one thing that we can say is you should definitely uh submit to Christ first. Both people mm-hmm. have to do that because out of that is gonna come whatever it is that God is working in and out of you. Um and it's going to show up. And if you get so caught up into roles and what you think a man should do or what you think a woman should do, you might actually miss the beauty of what God is creating. Um, and not that there are not roles that men and women uh, take on in a marriage, but there are times where some of that's going to be checked simply because God is, is doing something that he wants you to know that he is the standard. Um, you are submitting to him out of love. And then out from that, you then um, engage and love your spouse. Yeah. Any um, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's such a, uh, I don't know, the topic itself has so many avenues that it, it could go in. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, I'm almost uh, <laughs> drawing a blank from the number of um, the number of avenues, but I do think that um, what you said about Christ and him being the, the center, because he is creating, um, he is sanctifying, he is perfecting us, um, those that belong to him. And I always want to make sure that single people don't feel left out because I was single for a while. And I used to always feel like they only talk to the married people. So I'm talking to both married and single folks. Um, There is an ING on those things that um, we said that he's doing, creating, sanctifying. um, It's ongoing. And so in that ongoing, um, part of what gets challenged is our rigidity. Holding on to anything other than the identity of Christ, because there are going to be seasons where different things are required. And sometimes I reference married Fred versus single Fred. Married Fred um, also looks at money differently uh, than single Fred did. Um, And I think that that's okay and that that's exciting. Um, I would say, I guess I'll just say how old I am. Fred post 40 uh, looks at things different than Fred at 30. And I think that that's the same for um, Shana. And so this willingness to be fluid, um, mm-hmm. which is actually something that I learned from Shana about um, currency um, and the fluidity of currency um, or the need for it to be fluid or it's not currency. Um, mm-hmm. But Oh, a current. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you Got it when you said it to me. No, no. Wow. I actually didn't. Wow. <laughs> I didn't make. I just, Welcome to our household. Yeah. You know, Revelation fresh. Kind of how this works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, just say be encouraged. Find out what season you are actually in and then work that level to the best of your ability, whether it is single, whether it is approaching marriage or you're already married. Figure out where you're at where your GPS, what your spiritual GPS is. What is God asking of you in this season? And then try to link up with that. And it's okay to check in with some other folks uh, if you're trying to figure out your location. Yes. Amen and amen. 
Um, I don't think I'm supposed to say stuff after amen, but. Um, well, now may the Lord bless and keep you. <laughs> may make his face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious unto, unto you. you. Uh, I should know that. It's quite all right. <laughs> That's what the partnership's for. <laughs> Anywho, we hope that you have uh, gleaned something from this episode. And, and if not, just pray for us. That's uh, yeah. That's <laughs> we'll pray for you. Psycho, I'm kidding, but not really. But so. Sort of. But uh, thanks for joining us in this episode of Marriage and Money uh, in this series on family and money. Um, be sure to stay tuned because we're going to next talk about talking to your kids about money and teaching your kids about money. We have a special guest coming for that, but um, this is important. So um, be sure to, to like us on Facebook. Uh, follow me on uh, Twitter. We're at Get Insight TS. Uh, that's our Twitter handle. Uh, Insight Total Stewardship on Facebook. And uh, I think that's about it. Uh, GetInsightTS.com is the website. Go uh, check us out. Fill in your name if you want to take our financial personality profile or get just general information or some help in your own financial life. I am available. I am here to walk with you through that process. Uh, single, married, widowed, divorced, whatever case may be, uh, let's seek God together and figure out your money. And blessings to you and your house. God bless. Good night.